Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here and taking time out of your day to listen and grow with God. We pray that God will speak to you and you will experience His amazing love through this message. Let's take a listen. All right. Well, good morning, church. Hope you... Yeah, all right. Good morning. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, well, uh, my name is Alan, and I am the missions pastor here, and I know I'm excited about a chance to hang out with you guys just for a little bit. Uh, this morning, as you guys saw our bumper there, we are wrapping up uh, the book of Romans this summer, and so today we're going to be diving into chapters 14 through 16, so you can go ahead and turn your Bibles there. I do want to say a special welcome to our Monroe campus, our Oconee campus, and also everyone watching online. I know this is like your last hurrah to do vacations or any kind of things like that because school starts next week. So uh, if you're watching us from the beach or lake or wherever like that, I just want to say welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, also want to give you guys a little life update. I know I was going to tell you guys, if y'all were here a couple weeks ago uh, when I spoke, uh, I told y'all we got chickens uh, for the first time, so we got three chickens uh, currently, they have not laid any eggs, and so I'm giving them a couple more months, and then, you know, we'll have to just see. <laughs> I'm just playing. I ain't going to touch those things. My wife loves them. So, but they, uh, they are still just freeloaders at my house right now, and we're working on them. You know, we're trying to, you know, get some eggs. So we'll see what happens. I'll keep you guys updated on that. But uh, again, we got three chapters we're going to go through today, so we're going to go ahead and dive in. Uh, chapters 14 and 15, Paul is reminding the church here in Rome a few different things. He's kind of having to get on to them, remind them of a few different things. And so we're going to come to that here in just a minute. But in chapter 15, the very end of this, in verse 20, Paul uh, is recounting that he was actually sent to the Gentiles. So check this out. Verse 20, it has is is always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. So Paul, again, is recounting and telling these people here that, hey, remember, I was sent to the Gentiles, and if we have read any of the New Testament, we know he did a lot of things for the Gentiles and for the people that uh, he loved. I mean, he was like their spiritual father, really our spiritual father, doing all these crazy things. I mean, we see he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he wrote a lot of letters, he traveled all over the place, again, just for uh, getting the good news to the Gentiles, and also because he loved Jesus. And I, and, and, and I thought about this, we do some crazy things for the people we love, right? I mean, parents, you can probably say this, you've done some crazy things for your kids, right? I know we've all done that. I did one of the craziest things this past spring that I've ever done for my kids and with my kids. I'll be honest with you guys, I was super nervous about this. This was probably the most nervous I've ever been about doing anything with any of my kids. And this, this spring, I actually went on my first ever daddy-daughter dance with my daughter, Nora. Yeah, got a picture of her right here. And so uh, I was super nervous. I was super nervous about it. Yep, she's a cutie. But um, I, was ex I was extremely nervous about this. Again, uh, Nora was super excited about it. We told her like a month in advance. She talked about it every day uh, up until the day we went. Um, but just for me, uh, I'm not a huge fan of dancing. Uh, it just somehow doesn't fit into like my love language efficiency or something like that, you know? And so I just, I, I don't know, just wasn't for me. Uh, it, it, like dancing kind of ranks up there with like traffic dancing and like large crowds. I don't know why. Maybe you guys are looking at me like, what are you talking about? But I'm just not, I'm not a dancer, you know? And so just, uh, just not me. But, um, and so like I said, I was nervous, uh, but Nora talked about it every day. She was so excited. So, 
fast forward, we, the, the day's here, we pull into uh, the parking lot where we're going. I pull in the parking lot and dads, you know, I'm gonna do the dad thing. You know, I'm showing her, oh, you know, this is what, how, a, how a guy should treat you, all this kind of stuff. Well, I pull into this parking spot, I put it in park and I get out of the door. And as I'm getting out of the door, I notice something flash by and I look over there and Nora is halfway through the parking lot going to the front door. She's already running, you know? So I have to hurry, get out, shut my door, and I start chasing her to try to just catch up, right? So she's, she's already at the front door, and she like opens the door like really quick right here. Um, and I had heard that the theme was gonna be like a glow-in-the-dark, you know, like kind of theme, like that kind of fun stuff with neon lights and stuff. And she opens the door, busts the door open, and does one of these. I don't know what she says because I'm way behind, but she does one of these. She goes... And I'm, I mean, I'm like halfway through the parking lot, like, what in the world just happened? You know, and so I'm trying to catch up with her. Now I'm not as nervous about what's gonna happen and who, what these people are gonna think about us because I already see they're gonna know who we are, you know, and so. <laughs> but this was her jam, you know? I mean, she was so excited about this. I mean, this was exactly what she wanted to do. Um, also, when we got there, she had her first or second time ever, she had cotton candy. We got a quick picture of that as well. So just think about this. Um, think about this pizza, lights, dancing, crazy, all this crazy stuff, and then cotton candy, mix that in probably the second time ever. I mean, she is just like running laps around this place, you know? But she had a blast, and we had a blast as well. I mean, it was just, it was so much fun, like I said, just to give you guys like younger dads maybe, uh, at these daddy-daughter dances, just a heads up, I didn't know this, there's not a ton of dancing, okay? So that made me feel a lot better about halfway through because I'm still thinking like the dancing's coming. We danced a little bit, but most of the time she's running around having fun with her friends and playing games. So, but after about an hour or so, my wife was one of the ones that actually put the event on. And so she wanted me to, she wanted to introduce me to some of her friends. And so we're standing there, um, we're standing there and, and like my wife is right here, I'm right here and she introduced me to one of her friends. And Nora, guys, is like literally right here. I can like, she's, I mean, uh, arm's length away, right? And behind me over here is the face painter, and right behind us is this like little bitty mirror that has like three or four little face crayons, right? And I'd seen some, you know, some daughters like paint stars on their dads or little hearts on their dad's faces. And so we're standing here like this, you know, I'm talking, and I mean, three minutes tops, you know, get the lady, you know, get the, or meet the lady, and then she's like, this is my, you know, my son and my daughter and all this kind of stuff right here. And so I'm like, great, that's awesome. And I turn around after, again, about three minutes tops to this right here. And Nora asked me, what do I think? <laughs> and I'm not exactly sure how you're supposed to answer this, but I was like, it looks great, you know? And so she's like, thanks, I did it myself. And I was like, I can't tell, you know? And so I was like, but she loved it. She ran around and played with her friends like this for a while until she went to the bathroom, and then she really saw it, and she wanted to wipe it off because she was like, I don't really like this anymore. And so she wiped it off, had some fun. The night wraps up. We get back into the car, we drive back home, and, and she is just talking about the event all, the, the whole ride. She's like, Dad, this was awesome. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And we pull into the driveway, park the car, and she's like, Dad, that was so much fun. Thank you so much. You know what? And I was like, what, what, baby girl? She's like, I can't wait to do that next weekend. And so I had to kind of tell her, like, well, you know what? This is not like an every weekend kind of thing. It's more like a once or twice a year. And so kind of had to bring the bad news. But she had a blast. We had fun. I had a great time. I only had to dance like one song, so I was okay. You know, we're fine. But 
as parents, we get to do fun things like this, right? We get to take our kids and do fun things like this. We get to have fun with them and you know, encourage them and do things. But you guys also know as parents, we also have to discipline them, right? We also have to inc- and, and tell them and teach them things that they need to be doing. It's not all fun stuff. Yes, that fun stuff happens, but we also need to make sure we're doing the teaching. And so that's what Paul is doing right here. He's recounting these kind of good days and good things that he's been doing, but he also remembers that we have to challenge them and encourage the people here at Rome. And so in verse four, or chapter 14 and verse one, he does that here. It says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another's whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. So Paul, as you guys, if you've been here this summer, you know that Paul is speaking to two different groups of people. He's speaking to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And he's saying we need to be welcoming to everyone. We don't need to judge people over our opinions on things. He's reminding us to focus on the important stuff and don't fight over the small details. And his examples, and these are ones I wanna focus on today. Number one, says one person believes he can eat anything while another believes he can only eat vegetables. And for, I know for a lot of us, and even when I was reading this, I was like, what exactly is going on here? And because the Gentiles were new to this Christianity faith stuff, and they're kind of coming in, they're eating whatever they want, they're doing whatever they want, and they're like, well, why is this a big deal, right? The Gentiles are like, well, this is just food. You know, we just need to eat it. But the Jews, back in this time, sometimes would not eat meat because they were worried that that meat might have been sacrificed to idols or might not have been kosher. So again, they would not eat meat, but then they were getting frustrated, the Gentiles, and just saying like, what are you doing? They're like, the Gentiles are saying, why is this a big deal? What's going on? Why, why are you getting mad at me for this, you know? And Paul, again, is saying that these are not important. Yes, observe these things if these are your convictions, but they're not for everyone. And he even references these people's fate as weak, They're still growing in their understanding of what Jesus has done for them. And then Paul uses another example of days being special. Some Jews still believe certain days are special, such as uh, Passover, New Moons, Pentecost, and those type days. But again, many of the new Christians didn't even know about these. So Paul is saying these things aren't as important as Christ. And hear me say, I'm gonna say this a couple times. Yes, our convictions are important, but not as important as Jesus. In verse six, Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For give thanks to God, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So here Paul lays it out. He says, whatever you do, do it for the Lord. And Paul reminds us right here in verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So Paul reminds us, it's not that, that we're gonna get to give an account for other people or that other people are gonna give an account to us. It says, no, we're gonna be the ones that give an account to God. I often joke around about uh, people using their spiritual gift of judgment. Yeah, thank you guys for laughing. I just wanna let y'all know that is a joke, okay? Uh, I have said that before in places and people are like, Alan, I, I, I just don't believe you. I don't think that's a real spiritual gift. It's not. I'm using them kind of joking around, kind of pointing fingers that we don't need to do that, all right? That is not a spiritual gift, but I think a lot of times we love to do that, right? And we're really good at pointing out other people's faults, right? We can say, well, look what they've done or look what they're doing now or look at all the things that they've done, but we kind of pass by our own. We're like, you know what? Those aren't very bad. Those aren't the bad ones. We're, we're focused on these other things, right? I think a lot of times we do that. And this is an elementary uh, example and illustration, and and I know we're going back to school and all this kind of stuff, but this is kind of the life I'm in. This is what I thought of when I I heard Paul say this. 
Y'all have heard this before, you know, when you're, you're pointing at someone else, we're pointing out someone else's faults, we're pointing at someone else like this, what are we doing? Yeah, we got those three fingers pointing right back at us. And I think so often we, need, we forget that. I forget that. I think about other people's sins where I can point those out. Like I said, using, it's not real, but the spiritual gift of judgment, right? Don't do that. But we're doing that, right? But we got three fingers pointing back at us. I think we need to remember that and not only point out other people's, but also we need to remember our own life and what we are doing. Because again, right here, he reminds us that we're gonna be held accountable for us. Verse 13, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. So don't be a stumbling block to others. Paul has said that we are able to eat these things, but don't do it in front of them or don't be a hindrance. He wraps it up with this. He says we need to do this in love. We need to love one another and try to focus on that and not our differences. I think it's easy to focus on our differences. The world does this. We look at how different we are. The world loves to polarize things, right? We've, we've seen marketing. You know, we've been on YouTube. You hear like, this is the best thing ever, Right? Or this is the worst thing ever. I mean, we see these things. Now you're gonna probably watch YouTube differently, but I mean, that's what everyone's doing. They're trying to polarize and see and spread apart. But Paul is telling us not to do that. He's telling us we need to come together and work together. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. For all food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Don't do anything that would cause a brother to stumble. If it's eating, drinking, whatever it might be, just don't do it, especially in front of them. And I read this line, and I'm not sure where it came from, but I was in my studies. I read this um, in one of the, the books. It says, this is a wonderful check on our tendency to justify ourselves in the things we permit. If we are troubled by something, it likely isn't of faith and likely is sin for us. So maybe it is a conviction we have for us. Maybe it's something that we need to not do. Maybe it's something we need to give up. And I wanted to kind of illustrate what Paul is talking about here with these cups. You've probably heard or seen this illustration at some point in your life. Um, I wanted to talk about this. This cup right here is going to represent our life, and, and these are going to represent, these little rocks, are going to represent our convictions or things that we believe or things that we, again, have a, a strong conviction on. And we just talk about the ones that we read right here with the Jews. You know, there's different things that we can or can't eat. You know, we have those things. Or maybe, you know, there's different days that we need to make sure we have that are holy or special. We have those things. And I think if we really bear down on it, we can have all kinds of convictions or small things that we have in our life. And what Paul is actually reminding us is he's saying be careful. Because, yes, we all have things that we think are important to us. Again, that are, that, are, that are big deals in our life that we wanna make sure that we respect or we have or we follow, right? And he says, be careful doing this right here. This is gonna be loud, sorry. He said, if you fill up your entire life with convictions or do's or don'ts or things we have to do, things we can't do, or all of those type things, he says, when you try to then put Jesus, and this rock is gonna represent Jesus in our life, when you try to put Jesus into your life, what happens? It doesn't fit, right? When we try to make our life all about the things that we believe or all about the things that we think are the best, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do that, 
we turn into this and Jesus doesn't really fit into our life. And this is what Paul is warning the people here about. He's saying instead, we need to make sure that we put Jesus first. He said Jesus needs to be the most important thing in our life. He said, and then convictions can come. I mean, again, I think convictions are important. Things we believe, things we have in our life, we definitely need these. And these things are important in our life to make sure that we're, we're holding true to the Bible, holding true to different things in our life. But we need to make sure that Jesus is the most important thing. Are we acting in love? Paul continues with, again, just a lot of these kind of illustrations, a lot of these things. Um, and, I, and I don't want to go into all of the details on all of these little details right here, all these little convictions we have, because I'm pretty sure I can offend everyone in the room, you know, everyone watching. I can pretty sure I can do that. But we all have them, right? We all have these ideas that we think are extremely important. But my question is, are we putting Christ first in our Christianity, or are we putting something else above that? Is it religion, is it a task, or is it something else? And the one question I have on your notes today it says, are we putting Jesus first in our life or is it something else? Are we putting Jesus first in our life or is it something else? And is there something coming to your mind right now that you know that you need to not do? You need to give that up to him because you've put that in front of Christ. Chapter 15, verse one. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Paul's continuing the same thing. He's reminding us that even Jesus did not come to please himself, but instead he suffered for our sin. We need to be there for and help those who are weak and those who are still struggling with these things. And he mentions the weak ones again are the ones struggling with the meat in the days. In verse eight, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jew on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs may be confirmed. And moreover, the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. So Paul reminds us again that Jesus came for both the Jew and the Gentile. He talks about mercy for the Gentile. Again, mercy for us, for, for grafting us into his family, for bringing us into his family. And also the Old Testament for the Jew, the root of Jesse in Isaiah. Then Paul reminds everyone he is a minister to the Gentiles. Again, we mentioned that before in verse 14 through 21. He talks about his plan of visit. And then in chapter 16, he has some personal greetings for people. He's kind of saying things like, hey, remember this person? Hey, remember this person? Here's what's going on in our life. Here's what's going on in our ministry and all these kind of cool things and kind of wrapping up his, his letter to the church of Rome here. But I love that he comes back to the point. He comes back to the point that he's been kind of talking about for two chapters here. In chapter 16, verse 17, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in the way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving the Lord Christ but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Paul thought it was super important to make sure there was no division. He wanted to make sure he was completely gone. He knew this was a problem. He had probably heard about it, and he knew that it was gonna continue as well, so he wanted to go ahead and address it. 
So my question for us, is Jesus the most important thing for us? Does your life look like this, where Jesus is the most important thing, or was it like this one? Or yes, we're doing the right thing, we're doing the thing, we're going, to, you know, going and doing these things that are important to us, but is Christ the center of your life? I've seen churches split over carpet color, flowers, rooms set up, money, and many more things. And I think it's because, again, they had so many focused convictions about these small details. And I know when I talk with people from all different denominations or grew up in different areas, there's so many things we talk about, how we dress, what we can say, what we do, what we don't do. There's so many things that we, we say we can do, but, but this is where the Christian faith is different from other religions, Right? Christianity is about having a relationship with Jesus, not about what we can do or not do, because it's all about him. And yes, hear me say one more time, that these convictions are important. And yes, there are things we need to do and not do as believers. There's a lot of these things, and again, I have a lot of these convictions as well, but I think so often, and me personally, just living in this world and everything going on, we can get so wrapped up in the do's and don'ts or we can get so wrapped up in the things that we believe or what's going on around us or our thoughts or all type of stuff like that that we forget that to make Christ the center of our life. So wrapping up, two questions. Is Jesus the center in your life or are you more focused on something else that's less important? And number two, what do you need to give him today so that he can be the main focus of your life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for today and just your word and, and ultimately, Lord, for, for loving us and showing us the way and guiding us. Father, we're so thankful for everything you have done for us and just blessed us with, Lord. I pray, God, that in our own life, Lord, that we would have convictions, we would have things, that we would read your word and have these, these thoughts and ideas, but Father, they would not be as important as you, God, that you would be the center of our life, that, that you would be what we look through and view our entire world. But Father, we're so thankful again for, for your just love for us. Lord, we, we talked about in Romans 5 that even, even before we knew you, you loved us. And we know all throughout your word, God, that, that you have sent your son down the, Christ for, the cross for us, Lord, that you want that relationship with us. And so, Father, I pray that we would make sure that is the most important thing in our life. And Lord, I pray today that whatever we're putting in front of you, whatever that might be, God, that we would give that up, give that to you today, and we would make sure that you are the center of our life. In your name we all pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to go to our website, greystonechurch.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We look forward to connecting with you. We hope you have an amazing day, and we'll catch you next week.